Good morning. Thank you, Denny. You are amazing. Um, we are really looking forward to having more of us here um, uh, uh, in, uh, at the church uh, next week. So uh, we would encourage you to, uh, again, let me reiterate that, sign up. And uh, as Stephen and I were talking, we get one sermon in between services, uh, or our series, I uh, apologize, ser series. So just finishing our series on uh, Ephesians, now we're going to be going uh, to hearing many of our ministry partners, which I'm very excited for because I was at one time years ago one of your ministry partners, and it's how I first fell in love with uh, CLC um, and, and, uh, and, and being connected uh, with Pastor Andrew and many of uh, you in the congregation. Uh, this morning, we want to encourage you uh, in your faith. Coming out of the pandemic, as Stephen and I were talking, we re realized that there were so many different things happening, uh, unforeseen kind of emotions and, um, and things within our faith, within our relationships uh, that we were experiencing. And so we just wanted to take a week and, and encourage you in your faith to maybe rethink how we're thinking about, um, uh, you know, our our connection to Jesus during this time, and especially in the months going forward. So, um, uh, Stephen actually, uh, Stephen actually picked out this passage, which I thought was just um, uh, was perfect. It's Matthew 11, verse 28. It says this: Jesus speaking, "Come to me, all, uh, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart." and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Pray with me. Jesus, thank you that your words are always true. Uh, they go right uh, to the most important parts of who we are. And so we ask, Father, this morning, would you encourage us uh, to turn and face you, to know what you require of us, and to have a clearer picture of who you are. Uh, we ask, Father, that as a church and individually, that we would follow you strongly. Uh, so speak uh, now as Stephen shares. Speak to us through him. And we ask this, Father, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Eric. Uh, and good morning, church. It's so good to see people in the pews again here in person. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Stephen. I'm the Children's Ministry Director intern here at CLC. And for those of you who do know me, uh, or maybe remember someone who looks similar to me but had a man bun and less facial hair, uh, thank you for welcoming me back to this community. Uh, the past couple of years have been a lot of transitions, so it's been really nice just to always come back to welcoming and uh, familiar, friendly faces. Uh, I think it's really what makes this CLC community so special. And, you know, a lot of things have been going really well for me, you know, if, if I can be honest. I have so much to be thankful for when I really think about it. And, you know, maybe that's uh, all that could be apparent when I stand up here and, and talk for a few minutes on a Sunday or, or what you see through social media or whatever, right? Uh, but I do have to be honest with all of you. Things haven't all been perfect for me in the past year. Uh, even in the past month, I've, I've had those, those days feeling like I'm all alone, like no one understands me. I've had those days just paralyzed, laying in my bed, uh, crying, just wondering if I really am 
loved at all or if things are really going to be okay. And if we're being honest, I imagine this has been some of you as well, or certainly someone that you know and love. Maybe you've experienced uh, loss of a loved one and have been grieved by it. Maybe you've been extremely lonely and isolated. Maybe you feel spiritually disconnected and wondering if you can really come back. Maybe you're just feeling plain tired and exhausted and fed up. Life is hard, and this past year has been hard. So where do we go when the realities of life are hard? When it feels like the walls are closing in on us, when we feel overwhelmingly burdened, like we're about to just give out. Well, this passage came to me when I most desperately needed it, and I want to share it with all of you. As we read earlier, Matthew eleven twenty-eight to 30 reads, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. I want us to explore, who is this Jesus? I mean, who is he really? Here, in the Bay Area, today, in 2021. Why is he the way he is? What do I do with that now? And can I really find true, deep rest for my soul? But before we get started, uh, I want to ask all of you, just by a quick show of hands, uh, how many of you have ever said to someone or had someone say to you, I know exactly what you're going through? This sounds familiar, right? Um, okay, now how many times was that actually helpful? M- maybe some, right? Maybe some, but not, not often. I mean, t- take for one example a woman who just went through a miscarriage. How many of us here could reasonably go up to this woman who is grieving loss of life, grieving the loss of her child, the loss of hopes and dreams for the future and for a family? How many of us could reasonably go up to this person and say, I know exactly what you're going through and expect that to be believable, let alone expect her to feel comforted. I mean, the truth is, we don't know what she's going through. We maybe haven't suffered uh, to that degree as she has, as she's going through this grieving. But you know who could possibly offer some words of comfort? Another woman who does know what she's going through, uh, who has gone through it herself, who knows the pain, who knows the loss, the the crushed hopes, even the anger towards something so utterly wrong. All of us have suffered in some way. And I know all of us know how much it means to have someone who really gets it say to us, I know what you're going through. I understand, and I'm here with you. 
And so we, we come back to our passage. Jesus' first words to us here are, come to me. More than anyone, Jesus gets it. And we can always go to him, a friend who will never reject us. You know, we, we often think of Jesus as so otherworldly. I mean, after all, he is the son of God, come down from heaven, creator of the universe. And that's true. But can we also consider that he was a man? I mean, he also got exhausted. John 4, 6 says, Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, wearied as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. He also got deeply sad, and yes, even deeply angry. In regards to the death of one of his best friends, Lazarus, we read, when Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. John eleven thirty three. Now, deeply moved in spirit and troubled kind of puts it lightly here. Another way to put that would be indignant, or even just plain angry. Now, not angry at the fact that, uh, they're, that they're being sad, but angry at the very fact that there's something to be sad about, that death and, and suffering and loss are just so wrong, and so he's troubled or agitated, because really that's the only proper response to something like this. And he also knows deep stress. Before he goes to be crucified, he prays, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will but yours be done. An angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. So you see, Jesus was not totally immune to the troubles of this world. He was not emotionless, and he was not untouchable. He was a human, just like you and me. And that came with all of the realities and hardships that come with being human in this world. Hebrews 4.15 reads, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. And all this not to say, oh, Jesus suffered too, so, so get over it. No, no, rather it's, it's saying, hey, I, I've been there, really. I know what it's like. I, I know what you're going through, how hard it is, how you want to just give up, you're just so done with everything. I get it. And it's going to be okay. It's also to say that he doesn't just give us platitudes and, and piety sayings from some ivory tower far removed from the situation, uh, but he comes down and suffers alongside us in solidarity. He came down and suffered with us. He went through it all first. And his resurrected body proves that he means it when he says, it's going to be okay. Okay, so he gets it. He can empathize, but I don't know if I can approach him. You know, maybe other people, but I don't know if I believe if I can go to him 
Well, what does he say to that? John 6.37 All the fo- those the Father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. Whoever comes to me. You see, it's without condition. You don't have to get cleaned up beforehand. You don't have to draft a contract first, detailing all the steps you're going to take to ensure that you do better next time. You don't have to get to a point where you feel bad enough where, oh, okay, now Jesus knows you're serious. No, his only condition is simply that you come to him. I will never drive away. You see, it's also without limit. And we might have the tendency to come up with every possible reason of why Jesus would or maybe should reject us. We say, well, I've done this thing. I know, he says. Okay, well, maybe you know a little bit of what I've done, but Jesus, you don't really know how bad it is, just how deep my messed upness goes. Oh, believe me, I know. Okay, but it's not just something I did once back then. It's actually something I'm still struggling with today. Yep, I knew that too. Okay, but to be honest, I'm actually a little ticked off at you, Jesus. Uh, It's you that I have beef with. Well, then believe me when I tell you that I forgive you and I do want you. Okay, but Jesus is so holy. I mean, he's so pure. He could never be with someone like me. I'm not, I'm not worthy of him. He, he has to stay away from me, from someone dirty and messed up like me. Well, do you know what people said of him? They would scoff at him and saying things like, oh, he's a friend of sinners. And well, they were right. He found those who were the most sinful, the most unclean, the most ostracized by society, and he would say to them, I want to be your friend. I'm coming over to your place tonight, and I'm going to spend time with you. You see, he's not put off by your sin. He's drawn to it. He says, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. So if you're a sinner, if you're messed up, if you feel ugly on the inside, Jesus wants you. You are the exact person that he's looking for. He came looking for you. And so know that when he calls you and says to come to him, you are safe to do exactly that. Okay, so we know Jesus was like us and can empathize with our situation and we're told that we can come to him. But who is this Jesus? I mean, like, who is he really at the very core of his being? What makes him him? Here we discover the very heart of Jesus, the quality that is driving all else that he does. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Do you know that in only one place 
in the entire Bible does Jesus ever talk about his very heart. And it's this, gentle and lowly. Maybe we have impressions of him as being stern and demanding or exalted and holy or even just kind and friendly. And some of those might be true, right? We, we can see how we get there. But letting Jesus define for us who he is, we can know this, that he is gentle and lowly. Gentle. The same word can be understood as meek or humble. In our sin, Jesus does not come at us accusingly with a pointed finger. In our mess-ups, he's not disappointed. In our repeated failures, he's not exasperated, wondering when we're finally going to get it right. No, he's gentle. He, he welcomes us with open arms. He's patient and strong enough to bear with all of our baggage. He is the most understanding person in the universe. And he doesn't load us with more burdens. Lowly. You know, if anyone today were as high profile and put together as Jesus is, I think some of us uh, would feel a little bit intimidated by him. I mean, he's just too cool for us. Or, or certainly too spiritual, right? One of those higher-ups. You know, we say that he is so much higher than us, so far removed, but he says he is lowly. He associates himself with those who are the lower parts of society, with the drunkards, the poor, the sick and the unclean, and those people that are honestly just a little bit awkward to have around. All this to say, he's accessible. He's approachable. The requirements for approaching Jesus are startlingly low. Are you someone who labors and is heavy laden? Who works hard to get through life while everything around them is just weighing down? Well, then Jesus desires to be with you. You're the exact kind of person he prefers to be with. So please consider Jesus for uh, who he says he is and not the misconceptions we might have in our minds. Consider him who came down from heaven to this sin-entangled earth where there is sadness and death, where people do horribly evil things to each other, and he knew what he was coming to. He chose to come down because that's who he is. His loving heart compels him to move towards brokenness, not away from it, and to have compassion on people. His loving heart is what moved him to suffer alongside us, to experience what it's like to lose a friend, to experience what it's like to look on injustice and just be infuriated at all that is wrong, what it's like to be hated, to be betrayed, 
to be literally beaten and tortured and to die in humiliation. You see, this is Jesus who gets it, who personally understands what you're going through. This is Jesus who accepts you unconditionally, who calls you friend, who sees the darkest parts of you and doesn't push you away, welcomes you into his arms. This is Jesus whose heart, whose very being, being at his core, gentle and lovely. His way is easy. His way gives you rest. Deep rest. Rest for your soul. So come to him. You who are tired, who are burnt out, who are burdened, receive the rest that he so naturally and freely gives. So that's Jesus. And I think it would be enough just to sit in awe and wonder of who he is. And you know, for me, as I was lying there, anxious in my bed, and I came across this passage, I have to admit that from an outsider's perspective, it probably didn't look like much had changed. I continued to just lay there in my bed, um, but instead of feeling choked out by the pressures of the world, I felt the warm embrace of a friend. I continued to cry, (laughs) but instead of tears from stress and hurt, They were tears from overflowing, unimaginable love. It might not have looked like much to an outsider, but if you could have looked on the inside, you would have seen that I had received true rest from my soul. But you might still be wondering, okay, what does all of this mean? I mean, how does this actually affect my life now? And for that, I'd like to invite Pastor Eric up to the stage as he walks us through the practical realities of what an easy yoke and a light burden actually means. Yeah, thank you, Steve. Yeah. Um, Stephen talked about the nature of who Jesus is, and you can imagine when Jesus is giving these words to a crowd, they're hearing something very different than any other religious leader that they've heard in their life. Uh, the things that they had been taught. Can you imagine coming and forcing you to take a vacation? Have you ever had that happen? That's actually happened. <laughs> I, I actually had a friend of mine in a, in a church that I was serving in come right at a place where we needed it most. My daughter and I, uh, sorry, my wife and I had two young daughters. They're 16 months apart because we're not very smart. And, um, and we had three or four years where we just had no break. And then this couple came and said, we want you to go use our vacation property in Telluride, Colorado. <laughs> and we're going to fly you 
there, and you're going. And uh, we said, oh, oh, okay, we'll do that. It's the best news I've ever received. I still rem- rem- I, I'm still reminded of it today. When you go, somebody coming and being that forceful. And it's, it's hard to accept it, strangely enough. Um, but it's really fun to live as a billionaire. I, I found those were the two things I found. But it's really exciting to receive the benefits and to feel that, oh, I don't have to worry about it. Uh, at the beginning of the pandemic, I actually got caught in Chicago. I was at my friend's house, and uh, I went out for a conference in Chicago. And right when I got there, everything, if you remember like that 36-hour period, everything was closing down. And so I got stuck in Chicago, and his son, who is this wonderful guy, and yet an extreme introvert, you know, he goes, so you're telling me that I have to go to my room and not talk to anybody, social distance, for the next two weeks? Like, yes, he goes, that is the best news I've ever heard. Well, like, no, 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 don't take it. And we had no idea what the pandemic was going to come. But I remember, remember that in the same way, Jesus giving just this different news coming out of my yoke is easy. He says, my, my burden is light. And as Jesus says, uses that word yoke, again, it's an, agrarian, uh, you know, an agriculture, agrarian term which everybody would have been familiar with, right? The idea that, you know, a donkey, oxen, pole, something, and they're the ones carrying it. And that the custom-made yokes for each different animal so that they could carry that load, the same word that was used for the requirements, the yoke that you would carry in your faith. These are the things. And there was a lot of external things that you needed to do to be a good follower of God. In fact, the Pharisees and Sadducees, they're, they're distinguished because each of them had different sort of followers that had different things that they needed to do. And in, and in that, when Jesus is talking, understanding that picture, that, um, that every place that Jesus says these words, he goes, okay, do you want to know what my requirements are? Here's my requirements. He's giving good news to the people. You don't have to dedicate your life to a, uh, to a sect, to a certain way, to go live in a certain place. Right? Um, there were, there's one community at the time of Jesus. Uh, we have the Dead Sea Scrolls because of them. Uh, they lived out literally in the middle of the desert um, doing, you know, scribing, uh, copying scripture, copying scripture, um, and without going into that community at Koram, that the fact is, is that if you were going to dedicate your life, you have to go live in a community all by yourself. Maybe commit yourself to not being married, different places at all these different requirements. You had to pray certain ways. You had to do certain things. And Jesus comes and says, do you know what my yoke is? It's easy. It's light. All that, to be, all, all that to say this, Jesus is giving good news to the people. He's also giving bad news to the religious leaders. Right? What is it to get into the club? Well, we don't have enough money to get into that club. If you were going to be a religious leader, 
you, I wasn't, I didn't get the grades. I wasn't chosen to be, right, you know, uh, somebody who's going to be mentored in the way of a Pharisee or a scribe. Why? I, I didn't go to the Ivy League school to get in. And so they looked at Jesus' disciples and they say, who do you choose, Jesus? And he goes, yeah, I got a fisherman. It's a ragtag bunch of people. He's talking to the people. He says, here's my burden. Here's, here's, here's all the requirements you need to do. And everything Stephen said, here's Jesus. He goes, I'm humble in heart. And you know, the requirements are easy. The yoke is easy. So let me just talk about two different areas that for us personally, that when we come to, when we come to understanding what it means to be a follower of Jesus, to be connected with God, especially coming out of an area where, I don't know if you're like me, that we mentioned, we're experiencing things that may, we have not experienced in the last year and a half. Many of us go through personal things like this in families, but boy, I don't know what happened. This was a really hard thing. Going, through, going together through this as a society and a culture magnifies many different things different areas of our life that were just unexpected and in, in a real way once in a lifetime, the, the, the first time these things have happened. And the first thing is this, is that as Jesus is saying this, he's really talking about, first and foremost, the expectations that other people will place on you for your, um, you know, for yourself. Like if you're going to be a good follower of God, you need to do these certain things. What is that for you? Have you had anybody place things on you? Well, and, and it could be as something as simple as a family tradition in your family. If you've grown up in a Christian family, there can be these under-the-surface, tacit things that you need to do. Many times, you might have grown up in a church. Maybe you had a pastor say, no, you have to do A, B, and C in order to be a good believer. And if you're not, you've got to question your faith. Every tradition has this, that we just pick things up and people will say, you need to do, this is what you need to do. And if you don't do it, especially when they're external, it's easy to question, well, I don't know about, I don't know about his faith. I don't know what he's really doing. This was very true back in this day. So when Jesus is talking about this, um, it's almost is if somebody comes to you and says, you want to really walk with Jesus? Yeah, okay, you want to have a good faith? Yes. Here's, here's the thing you need to carry. Here's the bag that you need to carry. I mean, you believe in God, but you still need to do these other things. I, I got off a flight from Phoenix yesterday, and I did it without checking luggage. Do you know what it's like to travel without checking luggage? It's amazing. You just walk over. You just walk over to TSA, right? You know what it's like when you have to take your daughter to college and you have to haul all the stuff to the East Coast. It is, it is amazingly burdensome. Have you ever done a cross-country move with your family? where you actually have to hire professional people to come in and move your stuff. Within your faith, what level 
of baggage do you feel like you have to carry in order for Jesus to feel accepted by God? Jesus' words, I'm lowly of heart. You don't have to carry. Here's, here's the requirement. Right? None of those things. Now, I, let, me, let me just expand a little bit. When Jesus is saying this, he's saying this, he's saying this to the people, here's good news. He's saying to the Pharisees who are listening, to the religious leaders, he's going, your requirements that you're lording over the people, you're, you're, you're wrong. I'm going to make it, I'm, I'm going to change the rules. Because right after this, Matthew goes, in the, in, in the beginning of, um, of Matthew 12, he tells two stories about the Sabbath. Jesus' disciples, this ragtag group that Stephen described, walking through, eating, eating the tops of right, wheat on the Sabbath. And they go, hey, 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 Jesus, what type of disciples? You guys are wrong. You're breaking the Sabbath. And Jesus goes, wait a minute, you're, you're telling me that my, we're wrong? He said, yes. Yeah. See, we have you. Boom. You don't respect the Sabbath. You hang around with sinners. Everything about you is wrong. And then Jesus goes, oh. And, and this is how I imagine Jesus thinking. Okay, it's, again, it's not right. But he goes, well, we're going to go legal? Like you're going you're gonna to pull out the law on me? Okay, let me go to case law, right? David ate the grain, right? Yeah. Are you saying you're better than David? Uh-oh, no, we can't go there. He goes, wait a minute. So you guys work on the Sabbath, right? Uh-oh, we can't go there. He calls them on the carpet very quickly. And overall, uh, what Jesus is saying, he's saying, wait a minute. And he says this, um, and, and Jesus emphasizes this in, another, in one of the other Gospels. He goes, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. In other words, the Pharisees took, the religious leaders took Something as simple as take a day off, rest, and be with God. And they said, we're going to make it a requirement. We're going to use this as a hammer to make sure that, that this, is, this is something that you need to do. And we will make we will the judges whether you do that well or not. The second story in there is Jesus says, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? And they're like, oh, oh, no. He's like, well, does that work? So, and then Jesus, Jesus right there heals a man whose hand was shriveled. And it says religious leaders went out and started plotting to kill him. <laughs> Healing somebody, instead of being awed by the miracle, it says in Scripture that they went, that's enough. Why? Because if you take away something as basic as the Sabbath that we use, right, to make sure that this is one of the marks that you need to grow in your faith to be close to God, if you take that away, we won't have any standing or any saying, right? And Jesus saying, no, I'm humble of heart. Follow me. So in your life, what is it? Are there things in your life that you say, I have to do this in order to be close with God? Is somebody asking you to carry luggage that's not yours? And the second part would be this. Are there things personally that you just pick up and you go, I like to carry this, right? This is something that I, I, I need to do this. Why? Is anybody requiring it? No. 
I just feel we have expectations on sometimes even on ourselves, right? Uh, working at City Team, one of the things I noticed is that people would come in with a burden for our society and, and, and the lost. And, um, and they would work. They would get involved. Many of them would come on to our full-time staff team. And, and I always said there was about an 18-month to 24-month period. It was something that they were picking up and saying, I'm going to help fix the world. And um, just something I'm really excited about, God redeeming the world. But if it's done on your own volition, there would be this burnout at 18 to 24 months. And we'd watch them walk away. Uh, from uh, some, not only from the position or the volunteer or helping out in that area, but sometimes away from many things. Because if you're just doing it on your own and you're just carrying that, saying, I'm going to champion this, almost as if you're saying sometimes, God, I've got it from here. Let me just, let me just go do this. Right? That whatever thing, you, whatever thing you might pick up and do at a certain place it will just tire you out because God says, this is my responsibility. You were never meant to carry this for yourself. So for you, are there things that you pick up personally that, that you feel deeply and say, wait a minute, is this my responsibility? Is it God's responsibility? Is it somebody laying this on me or is it, something that God says, this is what I want from you. And it's easy when you get discouraged, when we get down, when we get to that place. These words bring us back um, to the place of most importance, which is Jesus saying, remember who I am. Turn and face me and follow me. So the expectations from others that could place on you, the expectations that we can even place on ourselves. But really, it's what is the expectations that Jesus places on us? And in closing, it's really simple. It's the beginning of the verse that Stephen shared from. Jesus looks at the crowd and says, what? Come to me. Come to me. Just turn and face and come to me. What else do I need to do? That's it. The, that picture that he goes, I'm humble, I'm lowly of heart. Are you feeling worn out? Are you feeling maybe sometimes really far away from God, from other people, isolated? Jesus says, come to me. I will, I will give you rest. You will find, a, I, he is the one who will find a different place in our souls within, uh, the, uh, within the deepest parts of us that only he can answer. Carrying things on our own will only work for a certain uh, for a certain amount of time, it's it's kind of a it's kind of a mirage. Doing things for other people is 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 you're chasing we're chasing our tails. But coming and facing Jesus, he says that's it. Anything else? The religious leaders are wait 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 wait. It's, there's got to be more than that. You, you'll you'll fall off. And like no, you won't. They will they will lead themselves out into the desert. No, they won't. Jesus says, you will find me. You will find peace. You'll find the, 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 heart, of, the heart of God. And we see this within, um, and I want you to think about the scriptures that come 
uh, with this. Jeremiah 29 says this, and this is a theme all the way through Scripture. You will seek you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. Over this, this is repeated all throughout Scripture. God saying, come to me. Just seek me. You'll find me. I'm not hiding from you. So what's my requirement? Seek me. Um, and, and later in Matthew, when, I was, when he's talking, what does Jesus looks? Uh, he looks at the religious leaders after speaking to them about the Sabbath and how they're using it as a hammer on the people, so to speak. He says, look, you guys have lost this. God, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. So sometimes when we think, what do we need to do? There must be something I need to do. And God says, no, it's, it's mercy. Right? It just, it's coming to God, understanding that his heart, um, his heart is there. It's the picture, right? the prodigal son. Everything changed when the prodigal son turned and faced and started heading home. And he found uh, the same picture that Stephen described in his father, right? A guy who runs to him, falls at his feet, and says, my son who was lost is now found. If you are feeling, um, if you are feeling uh, isolated, lonely, far from the father, the only, one, only thing you need to do is turn and face. Turn, turn towards God. Think about, I, I sometimes think about this, the, the, this simple picture. Um, the, beginning, the beginning of Genesis is, is, um, is Adam and Eve in the garden, and God would come and walk with them in the morning and walk with them at night. Jesus, right, gets up every morning, almost always found in the garden. Back to the original plan. What does God love? Come meet with me. Come face me. You, you will, um, you'll, you'll find um, um, rest for your soul. When um, the hardest thing, the, one, one of the challenges of being isolated is that we, we as a, the Christian faith, we as a body, um, we're meant to live life together. There's encouragement that happens when we come together. Um, other faiths, um, other faiths, uh, the more, the, the more uh, dedicated you become, actually the more isolated you become in some, some faith. With us, it's the opposite. That we, ha- the body is important. And so, if you, uh, um, one of the things that I would challenge you to do is not only in the morning at night, get up and lay out everything before this God that Stephen described, Jesus saying, this is who I am. But the second part would be um, the challenge is who might God ask you to reach out to, to connect with? Somebody that would come along and almost be the hands and feet of Jesus for you, uh, for you to um, have a deeper relationship with. And for many of us, this is a risk to take. The wonderful thing in closing I'll say about uh, CLC that I've uh, coming in as a newbie is that we have a really great wide age group. We have, um, uh, we have a lot of older people. We have a lot of younger people. Um, and, um, and we need each other. 
Um, it's, it's really important. And so for older people and younger people, for us to uh, email, to reach out to somebody and say, hey, would you, would you feel comfortable getting together, whether it's by Zoom or for coffee or, or for whatever your comfort level, uh, is another, uh, uh, is one way that you can, something you can do um, actively uh, to encourage your faith. Um, but um, Jesus loves to meet with you. He loves to be with us. And what a God who comes to you and says, I know who you are. I'm humble of heart. Come to me and you will find rest. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you that you love us. Thank you that your words um, have uh, continue to impact us centuries later. Uh, you are true. Thank you that you came down and walked, as Stephen described just as uh, experienced everything we did. And thank you also, Father, that you gave us, you gave good news, um, where within faith it's easy to get wrapped around the axle, uh, to place more on our plates than, than we deserve. And thank you that your words are clarifying to us. Um, and so might you give us first the desire to come to you this week and every day, every morning, every night. And Father, might you send other people into our lives to echo uh, your love and words to us. We love you, Father. Thanks that you reach out to us, especially uh, when uh, we have no energy to reach out to you. Thank you that we're found by you. And we pray this, Father, in your son Jesus' name. Amen.